You're listening to the One Man Show Network. Welcome to the Aaron Says What Podcast with your host, Aaron Weinbaum. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Aaron Says What Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Weinbaum, and today I have a very special guest in the Mega Attic Studios. Of course, I am sitting bitch seat in my own podcast with the bad microphone. My father, the Dave Weinbaum, is sitting in the prime seat, the best microphone. How are you doing today, Dad? Well, thanks for having me up for the first time in your life. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks for coming over. My pleasure. So you have had an interesting 24 hours. But first of all, before we get into all that, why don't you give us just a little background of what you've been doing on the air for the last several years? I have uh, had a talk show for the last uh, nine plus years. I'm in my 10th year of it, and things were going pretty smooth. I'm heard in 98 countries and all 50 states, and it's a good show, getting better, the Dave Weinbaum show. I'm out in L.A. I'm also on the Internet, uh, possibly getting syndicated in other places. And uh, they had a new manager come in to the radio station where I was doing my show, and we had – well, we had a lot of disagreements and stuff, and uh, he was doing stuff that uh, I didn't like, and uh, uh, I was doing stuff that he didn't like. And so when it, when uh, everything uh, came up, uh, I got uh, canceled on uh, Tuesday. And by Wednesday, which is today, uh, a mere 27 hours later, I have another gig. So I'll be on KKID. at least on Friday from 9 a.m. until 12. And my sunny boy here can give you the phone number to call the show. Yeah, so if you want to call in, it is Fridays 9 p.m. I'm sorry, 9 a.m. to noon Central Time. And the phone number is 573-364-4433. We don't have live stream as of yet. We hope to get that soon. But... You can listen to yourself on a podcast, downloadable on iTunes later. Now, this radio gig, we were going to move on without it. We ordered podcast equipment. We were going to do this from your house. We were going to have a call center set up. I mean, nothing's going to keep you down. Well, you know, I just had, you know, I had an epiphany when I was driving past at a business meeting in downtown Rolla. And I, I just had, I just said, uh, you know, why don't you drive by that station? Cause it's very close to, it's on my way to home. And I said, you know, why don't you just go in there for goodness sakes? Cause I did talk to the guy, uh, earlier in the day and I know him, the guy who is, uh, the, the owner of the radio station has been for about 25 years. And he's mentioned before that he would have, he'd like me to be on his station. So since I was, uh, well, you might call it jobless. I mean, this is not my main source of work. Uh, I am a businessman with uh, various businesses and stuff like that. But I walked in and I says, um, hey, you got a couple minutes? He says, yeah. He says, let me give you a tour. So he gave me a tour. And I had been in there a long time ago and uh, showed me the uh, the main studio, so to speak. It looked very nice. And I says, hey, why don't we do this? You know I'm out of a gig, right? He says, yeah. I says, why don't we do a – can you do an experimental show? He says, um, well, yeah, when? I says, well, how about from 8 until 11 on Friday? He says, well, I can't because I, my my morning show goes from 7 till 9. So he says, can you do a 9 to 12? You know how many years 
it took me at the other station just to get uh, uh, an hour and 50 minutes, much less two hours. Now, what did you start with? I started with a half an hour. Wow. And, uh, you know, I worked my way through and a lot of uh, knowledge that I didn't have, and I had to learn as I went, and I got pretty good at it. So, I mean, it's just a lot of practice, a lot of advice, and uh, but uh, I sold a lot of uh, sponsorships as well, which uh, if I stay with this particular radio station, I'm, I'm going to flood them with sponsorships because my sponsors are very upset that I'm, I was let go from the other show. Yeah, well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm not an expert on how to run a radio station, but I'm pretty sure money makes it go and money comes from ads and you brought in your own advertising. Well, it's not just that, you know, I've, I've been a business guy for uh, 43 years in this town, 46 years totally. And I did business with this radio station for those 43 years. I put $2 million wow. into this, uh, this owner's pockets. And he has the audacity to, to, uh, to, well, be really nasty to me over the phone. Fine. You don't like my, my situation. You don't like my show. Just drop me. Okay, fine. But you don't have to give me a lecture. I mean, give me a break. I'm about 20 years, 15 years older than this guy. And I've been around, you know? Uh, so, uh, by the way, his name is Robert Mahaffey. <laughs> and, uh, I just might throw that in there if, if possible. Sure. But, um, you know, it happened. I mean, it's not, I'm not lying about it or anything. And, uh, I have, I'll tell you what, I'm grateful for the, for the, uh, break of getting to start and getting that education. I worked for the first five years free. Yeah. And then I sold so much, so much advertising that I finally got a cut of the action. And it got to the point to where on, uh, an almost hour and 45 minute show, I couldn't sell any more advertising. Otherwise I would have been all ads. And no show. So I finally convinced them to increase to about a two-hour show with a 15-minute intro. And uh, that's uh, when things got real dicey, like the week after. And that's when uh, that's when they canceled me, and now uh, possibly I'm back. Wow. And what a short turnaround. Now, anyone that sees you on, you know, the Twitter, Facebook, um, or picks up on one of your articles, they would probably think you were doing this your whole life, but that is not the case. I mean, you haven't been doing this sort of thing very long at all. I started the show when I'm when I was sixty, and I'm uh, going on seventy, so I'm in my tenth year as a radio guy, and I had no training for this at all. I was, as you know, you grew up with me. You know, I was scared. Yeah, you, uh, to talk in front of people. Yeah, you practice for hours in front of the mirror. I remember. Yeah, and I did. You know, I I. I developed into uh, fighting my fear to the point to where I would uh, run meetings and I would always force myself to stand up and face the crowd, so to speak. So I got used to talking uh, in front of people that were looking at me uh, because that was a big problem for me. Now I sit behind a mic and nobody's looking at me. <laughs> Thank God. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you know about funny? I can't reach the crickets button. Anyway. But now let's get to where this really started. Um, one of, you know, probably growing up beside you, my most favorite person in the world, my grandfather, um, before he passed, he said something very poignant to you, and it, it started you off on a journey. 
By the way, your grandfather's name is Melvin, in case you forgot. I know what his name is. And Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure okay. you, you remember it. That's Sorry, all. Grandpa. No, That's okay. Uh, but no, my, grand, my, my father, um, whose grandfather came to this country from uh, Ackerman, Russia, just before they killed every Jew in Ackerman and threw him in the river, thus escaping our fate because we never would have made it had our grandfather been killed. Or my grandfather, not his grandfather, but uh, his son Melvin uh, was uh, born in Chicago and grew up on the west side of of Chicago. Uh, my grandfather having uh, committing suicide at the age of twenty nine in nineteen twenty nine. Uh, so him and his older brother David, who I was named for, they lived in the back of a candy store uh, where my grandmother which my grandmother ran. So I'm not even sure he graduated uh, high school, but he was, you know what? He he was born with a lot of smarts and a lot of ability to work hard. Eventually he went to work for a a place called Canadian Ace uh, Beer, and he was a driver salesperson, and he was befriended by one of the proprietors whose name was Louis Greenberg, whose partner was Frank Nitty. In case you're wondering, uh, you all you Al Capone fans, <laughs> and Melvin uh, became like a son to Louis Greenberg, and they were very friendly. Went out to lunch every Tuesday, and one one week, my father got a phone call from somebody and said, "Whatever you do, Melvin, do not go out to lunch with Louis on Tuesday." And sure enough, Louis Greenberg got it, and so uh, when my father was dying of prostate cancer uh, that went undetected because he was too, oh, let's say, skittish about having a doctor put his digital up his you-know-what. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it killed him, you know, I mean, not not having to do that. Right. So he didn't detect it, and he, it spread to his bones and things like that. So uh, two weeks before he died, he called. I, I called him. And uh, he said to me something very prophetic that stuck with me forever. He had been in Florida for a good portion of every year. He had decided, like every Jew that follows that kind of a law, that uh, not an orthodox law, but a law that you have to move to the eastern seaboard of Florida (laughs) uh, or it'll be a, a, a vicious sin by the age of 60. So by 56, he was already living half time in Florida. Well, he had a good time in Florida. He would, uh, you know, he'd golf and then he'd sit at the pool and kibitz and he would, uh, they'd go to the early senior dinners, uh, you know, getting earlier and earlier. You could have uh, assumed they were breakfast at one point. And then real early in the morning, he'd go out with the other uh, uh, senior citizens and they'd go to embassy suites and the likes and uh, try to steal breakfast. (laughs) And if uh, the manager would come over, they'd all run out of there like they were little kids. So this is what he was doing. And when he told me I could have done so much more with my life, uh, I didn't say, I didn't agree with him. I said, no, you've done plenty. You know, uh, look at all all you accomplished. He was my business partner when he died in the uh, McDonald's business. And so uh, I I look at him and I said to myself, self, (laughs) don't let this happen to you. Do not let this happen. I was my son's age, about 43 at the time. And uh, I said to myself, you know, uh, what are you going to do? 
You're a business guy. You have no other talent that you know of. You're afraid to speak in front of people. Uh, and But you do probably have some writing ability. That's the only thing I was decent at in school. So about a year after I, uh, my father told me this and he had passed away, I started writing these little quotes, quotes and little jokes and, you know, one-liners, uh, be an oasis, not a mirage, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's say, well, what's, what, what are you laughing? What are you laughing at? Uh, what are you laughing I, I was at? thinking of a quote, a particular well, quote. Go ahead. That, oh, 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 the, mo- the most important lesson you can learn from winning is that you can. Stolen. Yeah. No, it wasn't stolen. He thinks that I stole that from him. I would never steal from my son. You know, not even a joke, not it's even a quote. And I'm, I'm very saddened by this display of hostility towards the elder. I think I'm going to call, uh, call this uh, podcast Daddy Issues. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I started writing these things up, and I thought they were pretty decent. And uh, I'd, I'd look for, um, other, I'd look at other people where their quotes were, quotable quotes and Reader's Digest. And when I had gotten about 52 of these things, I said, you know what? Why don't I send these to the National Enquirer? And see what happens. And so I did. So I'm looking at the National Enquirer every week, and nothing's happening. And finally, the ninth week, it's uh, late, very late at night, early in the morning, and I'm reading the National Enquirer. I'm looking for the quote, see nothing. And I, I get to the last page, and there's a story about Halle Berry and male strippers. <laughs> so I had to read that. And then when I closed the National Enquirer, I left an, a corner open, not on purpose, uh, but it was just there, and there was my name. That's how I discovered my first quote published. And I had to wake up early, you know, just to see whether or not it was true because I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> so uh, I went from there and I got started, you know, getting energized and, and writing and stuff like that. It was no big deal. I wasn't setting the world on fire or anything like uh, my father thought he probably wanted to do. But it was something yep. that I could do that I probably might have a talent to develop. And then I started sending to uh, Reader's Digest, Forbes magazine. I was getting published by all these people. Yeah, I remember the first time you were published in Reader's Digest, somebody had shown it to me. Yes. And I was at work, and I called you, and you, you were very upset with me. You're like, it's not even funny. You better, you're not, you're, you, you better not be kidding. And, and you know, we went back and forth. And finally, I'm just like, go buy Reader's Digest, because... My son, time ago. my son is a, he's a great kid, but he's a verbal torturer I of am. the elderly. <laughs> and you know, as I slow down a little bit here and there, he gets to me. But uh, no, and he so I, I was suspicious. Really, was suspicious that he was pulling my leg because he knew he knew it was something I wanted. And yeah, there I was. I was in Reader's Digest yeah. with I believe Jerry Seinfeld of all people. But you were in there with Jerry Seinfeld. This, yeah. this was 1997, so I couldn't snap a picture of it and send it to him, yeah. or I couldn't tell him to look it up online. So. He had to take my word for it and then get out of the house and purchase yeah. a Reader's Digest. And, and I was pretty sure that I wasn't, well, I could stand in line. I stood in line first, you know, before I purchased one. Yeah, right. And yeah. look look for it. And then I bought about seven. Yeah. So, uh, no, so I started getting this and uh, writing stuff like that. And then eventually I got into writing. Uh, I had a, a friend, a, a banker, good friend of mine, Dave O'Reilly. And uh, I'm in the McDonald's business, and and he was telling me back in the early 2000s that there was these uh, McDonald's uh, uh, officers, and they were on Yahoo message boards, and they their names were disguised. So I should go look at them and discover what they were saying, and you could probably recognize them because I knew all these guys. 
So I did that, and then I started looking at other pages like the Pfizer page and IBM, and I started noticing there was a lot of anti-Semitic, anti-America stuff on there. So I started writing responses to these people, and they were all anonymous. Mm -hmm. And we started to argue, and I started to argue back. And in arguing back, I found myself doing some research to argue back. And then eventually I would send these responses back and forth and take a good look at them, and they'd look like op-eds. So I said to myself, well, maybe this is something else you could do. And I started sending my stuff out, getting uh, refused and um, uh, told uh, not to send any more stuff like that. But then I sent I, – I was up in my uh, – up in my office upstairs, and I, I sent one uh, message to a guy named Benjamin Yakovsky, Jewish World Review, and I said, what do I have to do to get published in your great uh, online blog? Mm-hmm. And two minutes later, this was 2 in the morning at uh, 2.02, I got a response, just send something. So I did. So um, he, he, I sent it to him. I wanted, you know, to be conservative and not very out there. And um, uh, he sends an email back, and he says, uh, Weinbaum, he says, look, I got writers that can do exactly what you're doing. Right. You seem to be a guy that could be a little bit more edgy. He says, well, why don't you try to be a little more edgy? So I sent him a column, <laughs> and in, in it, it said um, – you know why President Clinton is considered one of the uh, one of the most amazing presidents in the world? He's the first and only American president to get a Jewish girl to eat pork. That went in my first column, and boy, did that get a response! And he published it. Nice. So it was cool. All right, and I've been in there since ever since. Uh, February of 2005, and I still write for them. Now, how many original quotes and jokes have you written in your lifetime? 46,000. Oh, man. With about, uh, I don't know, about 10,000 original columns and things like that. Um, It's been pretty interesting, actually. I mean, I get to express myself in a lot of ways. And then I uh, said, all right, you got to do the ultimate. You got to try stand-up comedy. That's right. So, and you were there. I was you? there the opening night. And what, what did you think I was going to do when uh, when I got out there by myself in front of this young audience with um, not a shred of paper in my hand? You know, I don't know. I just remember. I mean, this, this was a long time ago. This is probably fifteen years ago, and I, I just. I was probably as nervous as you were. I don't know why. You were nervous because I was up there? I, I don't know. I, I, I was nervous for you. Uh. But, I mean, in the end, you said you were going to do it. You went up and did it. And that was it, you know? And yeah, and I wasn't very good, was I? No. <laughs> but, you know. I, I know I wasn't either because, you know what? I didn't, I didn't have any. I just told jokes. But they, they had no relationship to any story. Uh, and, and my timing goes off because people would start to laugh and I'd get to my next joke. Why? Because when you practice, you don't account for applause or laughter. No, so I, I, you know, eventually uh, I'm still struggling with that, but, I, you know, I worked it out a few times. Well, you know, I've interviewed comics, uh, namely Adam Hunter. He, he said, you know, for some comics, it takes just 
years and years and years of just keep getting up there, get up there, yeah. get up there. And, uh, you know, some people won't even go up and try it once. And more uh, likely than not likely, you're going to bomb. So oh, think, sure. think of how much courage that takes. So, you know, with that, I just want to say that to you. If there's something I've been taught, you know, through your persistence in your life, um, there's just not much you can't accomplish without putting in the time, putting in the work, learning, relearning when something doesn't work. I mean, and trying stuff that you might be a little bit afraid of. And you've done a great job of that. Thank you. Uh, you know, writer for the Huffington Post, and you got these uh, some of the funniest tweets on Twitter, and <laughs> and also uh, uh, get millions of and millions in a, in a month of retweets. And mentions, uh, really amazing. You well, know I mean? you've done well for yourself there as well. Well, I mean, not bad, but I'm mostly advertising uh, my show or yep. a column or something. Yeah, so I just, people are uh, enamored by my goofy jokes, I guess, but whatever. I find, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. I don't spend a whole lot of time doing it, but I find that when I have a creative outlet like that, I'm, I'm sharper in real life. I'm kind of calmer i'm more at ease and i'm sure you feel the same way with your writing well you're you know what you're you're doing stuff you never thought in the first place you would do no and and uh you're sharing it and you're actually uh contributing to other people's enjoyment or learning you know i i did these i do these quote calendars too as you know i've been doing uh i missed a year but i've had 18 years of 364 original quotes and jokes in these calendars and uh, people love them, you know. So uh, I'm very proud of that. And, uh, you know, then uh, I said uh, about 2008, you know, I'm doing all this political stuff. Mm -hmm. I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, well, what's next? How about radio? Yeah. So I went into a station in Rolla where the manager was uh, Michael Thompson. And uh, I asked him, I says, hey, can I get a, can I get a radio show? And he says, uh, yeah, we, timing's pretty good because we just had a guy um, leave. I think he was a lawyer. You know, they, they gave me a spot at 9 to 9.30 on Friday. Right. And that's a waste spot. And what they what they do is they give the spot to a doctor or a lawyer or uh, an engineer, somebody who will put their own advertising into the show because it's right. a loser. So I put some some of my you know businesses in there, and um, you know it's two thousand eight election of uh, Barack Obama, and the first my first show I I uh, interview my my dentist friend Henry Antelak who became a sponsor of my show, and it wasn't uh, wasn't much. So I went right. into uh, Thompson's office and said, "Well, what do you think?" He says it was horrible. <laughs> if you do that again, if you do that again, you're not going to have a show. Wow. I did. So I guess you could call that a major failure. I didn't know what I was doing. So then I started uh, to to leverage back into what what I was supposed to do, and that's talk about politics. And uh, I've been I've been I believe improving ever since. And uh, the one thing I I knew I could do was I knew I could sell because I had done that when I was twenty one. I had sold life and health insurance uh, in Denver, Colorado, and did very well. So I understood selling. Right. So I sold sponsorships. I mean, uh, a lot of people, I do business with a lot of people and I got a lot of sponsors and they are, uh, very loyal to me. And they, most of them stayed years and years and years until I got, uh, canceled the other day. Yeah. They're all going to leave. I think uh, well, just about you know, all of them. it's too bad, you know, but, uh, 
Um, you know, I'll be, I'll, I mean, I did not sit, tell them to leave, uh, the radio station. I told them that check with the radio station, see what they could do because, you know, that was the main reason they, they got the, the sponsorships was to sponsor my show because it's a popular show. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what, you know, this is, I'm um, going on 99 or 92.9 K kid in Rolla, Missouri, and I know the owner. Uh, he's a nice guy. His uh, first name is Steve. I can't remember his last name offhand. Sorry, we've, Steve. Huh? I said sorry, Steve. I can't either. Okay. <laughs> so you know, we'll see what what happens. I'm, I'm going to do. I felt very good to be in there before. I did some some bit in there about 25 years ago. Yeah. And I well, let's see what happens. You know, he's the guy. I think it's a smart move on his part. I thought it was a dumb move on the part of the ownership of the last radio station to get rid of me. But, uh, you know, some people, the, they, they, uh, they get very emotional mm-hmm. and they think, uh, you're messing with them and all that stuff. And it wasn't the case. Well, as of right now, this show will be Friday, 9 a.m. to noon central time on K kid. And, um, this, podcast won't come out and probably until after the first show is recorded and if something changes we change recording times or whatnot i will include it in the show notes but for sure you can go to itunes look for dave weinbaum and download any past shows you can go to his website www.daveweinbaum.com or follow him on the twitter at the dave weinbaum is there anything else you want to get off your chest like uh, who's your favorite kid you know, I could do grandkids. Uh, who, who's my favorite kid? Well, I love oh, all my yeah. kids. You know, I consolation. Mean, he doesn't mean it. The ones that you know about, and uh, the ones that you don't. Well, I will tell you this. Stop I, it. There was quite an outpouring of support. I got a lot of calls from from uh, people that sponsored your show and your two oldest grandchildren. Yes. Emma and Ethan immediately called me after school and wanted to know what was going on with your show. And uh, God love it. Uh, Ethan's actually on Twitter. He loves Twitter. Um, he's my fifteen year old. Well, I'm very, I'm very proud of my son here, who uh, is a is a much better father than I ever was. I was okay, but uh, he's he's got a great family here, and my he's got six kids here. Yeah, uh, oldest is eighteen, uh, youngest is three. Yep, and uh, these kids are just just uh, so great. They're into sports. They're into cheerleading. They're doing well in school so far, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and they love each other, although they fight a lot <laughs> still. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, when I come over for holidays and things like that, I just sit, sit here and smile. Right. I must look like a stupid old man, but that I, you know, I, I can't help it. I'm so happy about what, what you've done. You and my beautiful, wonderful daughter in law, Brenna. Oh my God. Is she good? Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. I, I couldn't do without her. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, don't sell yourself short. You know, I, I I'm a, I'm a good father because you were a good father, and I hope my kid's a better father than me, and so on and so forth. So, so you 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 couldn't go the whole way without commenting on me being short, could you? No, oh, nice. There you go. All right, that's well, not right. That's not right. You'll poke uh, him out. All right, Kevin right. Meany for all those. Look look him up. He's <laughs> he was great. Hey, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up, Dad. I uh, love you. Thanks for coming love on. You too. Thanks. And until next time. Shalom. Please remember to support the podcast by visiting the affiliate links on AaronSaysWhat.com. Are you 
looking for a permanent home for your podcast, well, Spreaker can do it all. Spreaker will give you your own RSS feed that you can submit to other platforms, including iTunes. Spreaker's mobile app will let you record from your smartphone, or you can use their web-based console with everything you need to record. Their podcasting plans include being able to host multiple shows at no extra charge. Got a YouTube channel? Spreaker's got you covered. You can effortlessly upload your podcast audio to your channel. You can even move your current podcast to Spreaker without losing any of your iTunes subscribers. Try any plan 30 days for free using promo code ASW.